welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Chip and Joanna Gates, miracle workers. How many have watched Fixer Upper? Watch it. How many? That's what I thought. Just what everybody in first service did too, or does. Um, they specialize in transformation, in taking oftenly, often incredibly dilapidated houses and completely restoring them. Sometimes things go very smoothly. No unexpected problems. The wall that Joanna wants to be knocked down to make an open concept isn't load-bearing. And um, there, there just seems to be, you know, everything just works out well. When she wants to rearrange the whole kitchen, no problem redoing the plumbing. But other times, after the inspection, they hear the dreaded words, asbestos, or lead paint, or there's some real problems with the foundation. But you know what's really great? Is that um, when they're done, they have this incredible restoration of a home. Um, I really enjoy watching the program. You know why? Because in one hour, they go from ramp tackle to complete transformation, and, um, and a ha happy family gets to move into the home. Uh, you know, I'm also a really big fan of fairy tales. <laughs> Speaking about renovations, tomorrow is New Year's Eve, and what is one of the things that we do on New Year's? That's right. It's normal to think about making some New Year's resolutions. Promises that we make to ourselves. What are some common resolutions? Exercise more, or maybe start. Eat healthier, reduce debt, lose weight. Do you know that there are absolutely apps galore that you can download on your phone that will track all of your New Year's resolutions. They will give you updates on how you're doing with them, and they will drive you crazy. You know, I've got a better idea. Why don't we make resolutions this year that we could actually keep? Like, eat more chocolate. Um, exercise less. Or really be intentional about spending more. Let's just increase that debt. Seriously, there, though, there's something about the new year and starting over that is very appealing. Wouldn't it be great that if every year on New Year's Eve we could just press the delete button? And all the stuff from the previous year would disappear. D disappointment's gone, never to be remembered. Bad financial decisions, erased. Stock market losses, gone. Family feuds, no recollection of any conflict. What if life could, life could be like that? And at various milestones in our life, we could start over. Like when you get married. At the conclusion of the wedding ceremony, when the minister says, I now pronounce you husband and wife, poof. All the dysfunction, the negative character traits, all the incompatibilities that will inevitably arise are deleted. As a couple walks down the aisle, they start their lives all over again. When you start a new job, and the rock star that had the job before you, the one that everybody absolutely loved, None of that is remembered. Very wishful thinking, though. 
The trouble with most of our New Year's resolutions is they usually don't get to the heart of the matter. Yes, they can be helpful goals, but this morning I want us to shift our focus. We've talked a lot this month about the unexpected and totally unique way that God chose to introduce his son into this world. And just as all the circumstances of Jesus' unusual birth and his unpredictable life, shepherds, wise men, angels, shepherds, wise men, manger, Bethlehem, so too were his teachings. Because so much of the Jewish religion had to do with keeping a plethora of laws and commandments. The Jewish leaders of Jesus' day were masters at the outward exercise of religion. And Jesus had some pretty strong um, comments to say about them in Matthew chapter 23, which involves a huge renovation in how they practiced their faith. Jesus said, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they sometimes are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Over and over in this passage, Jesus calls them hypocrites, blind guides. In verse 25, he says, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. What a contrast that is to Jesus' promise in Matthew 11, verse 23, where he says, I mean, 28, come to me all who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're going to look at a lot of teaching of Jesus and also of Peter and Paul, as we focus this morning on the word, beginning with Matthew chapter 5 and 6, where Jesus completely transforms the way his listeners understood the Jewish faith. Jesus used this phrase over and over. You have heard what it is said, but I say to you. In verse 21, he says, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you must not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. What did Jesus just say? Murder and anger are equally resulting in judgment? In verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What is Jesus saying? I'm accountable even for my thoughts? In verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. If anyone should sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. What did Jesus just say? Be kind and loving even when it's undeserved. Throughout these chapters in Matthew's account of the teaching of Jesus, 
over and over again we're reminded what living life according to his way involves. That's the what. Where's the how? As we look at a new year, how do we continually become transformed followers of Jesus Christ? After all, that really is the only meaningful goal that each of us should have in 2019. Why don't we start by recognizing our position in Christ? In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're reminded, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Think about this. And we come to faith when we are washed clean by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we get to start all over. It's really a new beginning. Wow. All the sin God deletes. Psalm 103, 12 reads, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. I really like that verse in the message. As far as sunrise is from sunset, he has separated us from our sins. In Christ, we really do get a fresh start. We not only have a new position in Christ, but we also have the power to change. Where does it come from? Well, it's twofold. Part one starts with our minds, with a decision. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. How often have you heard it said, mind over matter? What does that really mean? If our goal is to be totally transformed followers of Jesus Christ, our minds really are the issue. And guess what? That's just what the enemy of our souls knows and endeavors to influence. He desperately wants to control how we think. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. How about a little Greek for you? Schemes is the word methodia, where we get the English word method. What are his methods? Remember, it's not flesh and blood. It's not tangible. It's mental. Paul understood this so well, as over and over in all of his letters, he encouraged us to change the way that we think. Yes, you see, we become transformed and God continues his renovation project, but we also have to change the way we think. A few years ago, my little granddaughter Maddie was asked by her mom to go in the kitchen and get something for her. And Maddie was playing and she was just little and she didn't really want to do that. And she stamped her foot and she walked in the kitchen and got what she wanted, and pretty soon she came back and happily gave it to her mom. And my daughter-in-law looked at her and, and kind of wondered, what's that? And Maddie said, oh, I choose joy. <laughs> you know, it really is, isn't it, the way that we can change how we think. So how do we do it? Let's look at some passages from the Word that give us some suggestions. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, In view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so Paul suggests that there are three things that we need as we launch our personal renovation. The first, we need to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. What does that mean? 
Remember, for, the, for a very, very long time, literally centuries, the children of Israel have been commanded to sacrifice animals as an atonement for sin. God had made it very clear that it was only through the shedding of blood that there could ever be forgiveness of sin. So what's up with this living sacrifice? That doesn't seem to make sense, does it? I guess Paul anticipates that question, so he immediately answers it in verse 2. Our sacrifice involves our behavior and our thinking. Paul goes on, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? Well, Jesus spent his whole ministry endeavoring to pound this into his followers' heads. That takes us right back to Jesus' teaching in Matthew. The world says that when someone does me wrong, I should get even. I should seek retribution. Take them to court. Make them pay. Jesus says, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? Uh-uh. 490 times. The world says, hate your enemies. Jesus says, love your enemies. Oh, and while you're at it, pray for them too. I can go on and on. But do you see the underlying theme here? As followers of Jesus Christ, there are definitely some big changes that need to be made inside us. And that brings us to the third thing that Paul suggests us to do. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As I've said before, our thinking has to change. Our attitudes need to be transformed. That's the trouble with New Year's resolutions. Unless we completely change our thinking about food or exercise or the value of reducing our debt, and then make a plan on how to actually accomplish those things, then nothing will change. Let's take a few minutes and unpack the passage in Philippians that Amy just read. Paul's words of encouragement on how we need to change our thinking. Let's go over this again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 12. And the words are on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned the secret to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, that's a pretty tall order. And if you remember, actually, Paul was writing that while he was in prison. Good grief, Paul. Nothing like setting that bar awfully high, don't you think? 
How were we ever supposed to accomplish all of this? And anticipating that very response, what does verse 13 say? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. What a relief. We don't have to do all this in our own strength. We get help. God not only deletes, but then he says, here, let me help you live a life that is honoring to me. There's a guy named Roger Van Oak who wrote a book called A Whack on the Side of the Head. Isn't that a great name for a book? It seems like we all occasionally need that whack. What are some of the things that we say that keep us from being transformed into the image of Jesus? Statements like, I can never change. I might fail. I'll just play it safe. My circumstances are completely different, so I'm entitled to feel the way that I do. Remember Peter, the disciple who denied Jesus, and then he saw such a complete renovation of his life and a restoration as documented in the first few chapters of Acts. Listen to what he has to say in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us a very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For you, if, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Will you start off this new year and allow God to invade all your patterns of thinking? Allow him to transform old thoughts that only defeat you and replace them with thoughts of encouragement. Will you allow God power to delete such things as envy, pride, jealousy, lust, negativity, or a critical spirit? How about allowing God to delete anger and replace it with love? Misery with joy? Turmoil gone, replaced with peace? Retribution with kindness and goodness? How about erasing indulgence with self-control? Where to begin? Wouldn't it be great if I could just pray right now and poof, we'd all leave and our lives would be transformed and we'd be great. Unfortunately, it just isn't quite that easy. Remember, but we have the power through the Holy Spirit to make these necessary changes. But in order to conquer the old ways of thinking, we need to begin a process of reconstruction. We begin with mental assault. How? Through scripture. It's just full of promises. Make a commitment to read your Bible thoughtfully. Let it sink into the folds of your mind to see what strength it will give you. When you're reading scripture, make it personal. Put your name in, for instance. Read Isaiah 40, 31 like this. When I wait on the Lord, I renew my strength. I mount up on wings as eagles. I will run and not grow weary. I will walk and not faint. 
trust me, when you do this, it won't be long, and you will see tangible changes in your life. Renovation. When you find yourself slipping into old ways of thinking, when you're tempted to be hot and bothered by something, stop. Analyze what's going on. Why am I feeling like this? Do I have a reason, or is it just a bad habit? So as I close, I've got an idea. For 2019, let's all make a decision, a decision to no longer be conformed to the world, but to be transformed. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for setting aside the glory of heaven to live here on earth, to provide us with a different way of thinking. Jesus, you passionately taught your followers what it means to live our lives for you. You experienced all of life here on earth. You suffered and you died for us. You paid the penalty for our sin. Thank you for teaching us and showing us all the ways we can live lives that honor you, not to earn our salvation, but to show our gratitude for it and so that our lives will reflect you. May we seek you, Holy Spirit, to give us strength in the renovation process within each one of us. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.